Hello and welcome to Three Season a Pod from Provision Advisors, the podcast for and about the global communications environment. Three Season a Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors, a look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Folks, you may not have noticed, uh, maybe you did, but we are one month into the new year and I almost feel like it was three months rolled into one. Uh, nevertheless, we press forward both virtually and otherwise. If we promised you, you would hear more this season from voices other than our own, sharing stories, anecdotes, and lessons from the comms and PR world. Uh, well, today, as we salute the achievements and moments surrounding Black History Month, we will welcome onto the show Mr. Mark Clark, a professional communicator, author, radio host, and all-around girl dad, uh, as we get his views on the communication climate we face today and uh, what challenges and pathways he sees as our nation grapples with diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, in 2021. As always, the input continues to pour in and we absolutely appreciate it. Our goal is to make sure our content is improving each time out to give you a quality program here on Three Season a Pod. Uh, we know that doesn't happen without your feedback and listening ears, so we appreciate you. Uh, continue to follow us on Twitter at ProV Advisors with an S and check us out on the web at www.provisionadvisors.net. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Uh, folks, he is the former voice of morning radio at 92Q in Baltimore, 103.9 in New York City. Most recently right here in Washington, D.C. on 96.3 FM. One half of the dynamic duo with Mark Clark and Allison Seymour in your afternoons. Uh, listen, he's an author, former spokesperson for McDonald's and AT&T. And you may even remember him from a certain Folgers commercial back in the day. Goes without a doubt, he is a media mogul, to say the least. Um, I'll let him plug his latest venture here in just a moment. Uh, folks, want to give a warm 3C welcome to Mr. Mark Clark. Thank you for being here on the show with us. Thank you for having us. What an intro. My goodness. I, I do my best. I, I, I learned it by watching you. <laughs> yeah, that's quite an intro, man. I, I like that. I like that. Uh, maybe I have a future in radio. Who knows? Um, hey, Mark, um, so uh, there, there's so many things I, I want to talk to you about. The the pandemic has has stopped us from having our uh, uh, our monthly meetups uh, over a nice uh, avocado toast. Um, <laughs> but you know, here on, on three C's in a pod, Chris, John, and I we we are all about the facilitation and the discussion of the communications environment and. Our role as professional communicator, excuse me, communicators, easy for me to say, uh, in that space, uh, how we operate as consultants. Um, but you have spent, you know, a majority or almost all of your adult life uh, in the media space, in the communication space. And, you know, to see where we are now, 2021, what we've just went through over the past uh, administration, maybe in a half, uh, and seeing the changing dynamic of that landscape. It's kind of what we want to talk with you about. We try to, to, um, to dial down uh, into, into subject matter um, that you know, talks about the nuts and bolts of communication and how, uh, how it's changed, what has re remained the same. Uh, we talk about trying to put the genie back in the bottle uh, I will let you speak here in just a second. My question is, <laughs> with, John and with Chris you, are laughing at you, man. Yeah, that, and that's that's all right. They're they're used to it. Um, but I just wanted to give you a little bit of of sort of our view, uh, and have you weigh in on 
what do you see right now as as you know challenges in the communication environment what's the pathway forward um you know how, how have we changed you know every you know i see you on 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 certain digital media platforms now pushing uh pushing your thoughts and, and opinions on things you know what what what's changed what's uh what has stayed the same and and what do you see for the future i hope that's broad enough man first of all i want to say you guys um, you guys really have something special here because I was just thinking about like, this is, this is the kind of stuff I love to talk about. And a lot of people don't, uh, like to talk about, but it's like, you know, as a podcast, how brilliant is this? You guys have niched it down, which is great. And it's timely. And so i just realized you guys have blessed me because I get to talk about some stuff I really am excited about. So number one. Like you said, the landscape has been turned on its ear. And, and it's funny because I have had, you know, I was in New York when I was in New, in New York at, at in the same building that uh, WABC's in when Trump was running. Okay. And all of the experts, you know, I think of, I can't even think of his name now, but um, he's a, you know, he, he's a, he's, he would be considered definitely a political uh, guy who's, who's, who's got the receipts, as they say, he's been at WABC forever. Okay. Um, I can't, I'm, I'm, so I'm pulling the blank. Anyway, nobody okay. thought Trump was going to, it was going to happen. Right. And so, and those were the pros, pros, the guys, the insiders, the guys that know everything about everything, blah, 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 blah. So they were wrong. And why were they wrong? Because he was a different animal. Right. And what I, happened upon was, and I, I'm sorry, uh, uh, you guys don't know it, but Bash knows it. I will ramble. Um, what I happened upon, a couple things. Trump like turned communications on its ear with what? With Twitter. Who knew? Who He knew something that we didn't know. He knew that, and he said it somewhere in a book, that if he had, he said Twitter was like you're having your own television station. Why? Because you could put a message out whenever you wanted to. And he knew that being the president of the United States, whatever he put out, people were going to respond to. So he controlled the news cycle every day. <laughs> and we didn't see it coming because of our arrogance of media. You know, we there was a way that we did things, a way that we do things that we magically thought was going to just stay how it was because no one had ever challenged it, you know? Right. And right. so my, my, um, my father and my late father-in-law was a minister of unity. Unity is one of the new thought religions, right? And the founders, among the founders or people who were associated with unity were people like Zig Ziglar and Norman Vincent Peale, who wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking, right? Consciousness. Okay. And one of Norman Vincent Peale's uh, top students was Donald Trump. He attended his church as a kid and Donald Trump understands. Now he used it. He didn't use it in a way like my father-in-law did. My, my father-in-law used it with love. You know, you basically, your thoughts, you know, thoughts held in mind produced actions of a, of the same kind and the positive power of positive thinking being, you know, a positive, not negative, loving, not hating, but Trump understood the power of words and he understood the power of messaging and through right. Twitter, 
he dominated the news cycle. He dominated the conversation. He dominated us. We had never seen anything like it before. And it's so weird. As soon as they chopped him off of Twitter, the world felt different, didn't it? You were like, it was, it was weird. It was, you didn't realize how, how he had controlled us this long every day, every day we were like waiting for something that he said, good or bad. And again, I'm not, if, if you're a fan or not, um, you know, I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what he did from a standpoint as a communicator. And he basically changed the game and it will never be the same. And, and now that he's no longer here on Twitter, it's almost like he doesn't exist anymore. So out of that question that you asked me <laughs> got lost in that long diatribe. But yeah. at the end of the day, I think as communicators, there are some things that we can learn from it. Some things that we've kind of like, we, we basically, you know what? I think the, the news and media has been exposed. That's what I think after Trump, it's been exposed. You know, uh, Mark, what is truth? Yeah. You know, what is truth? Uh, what is, you know, what is truth? What is good? What is bad? It's been turned upside down. There you go. So thank you, Mark. And just as a follow-up before I throw it uh, to the rest of the panel, um, what you, 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 you said something here that just stuck out to me. Um, it's as if he's not there anymore. And, but let's move, we'll, we'll, we'll move off of the former president and talk a little bit about the, what's left in the wake. Because even if the individual, the, the, the former president is not, you know, not on Twitter or whatever, but there was enough tumult, enough change, winds of change in the communication atmosphere so something is still there. There, there is, you know, there is still. You said we'll never be able to go back. Well, what does that mean for us going forward? Where are we? Where are we going? Well, uh, with I th- our communication, go ahead. I think. I think news. I think number one, news has been exposed because you know I'm a little older than you guys, but I think there was a feeling that the news told us the truth. We all know that wasn't necessarily true. <laughs> the news told us what they told us. You know. Um, and, you know, a lot of times people in my generation will go back. I remember when there were three, there were three networks and the news told you the truth. No, they didn't. They didn't tell you the truth back then, but it, it felt like it. So it yeah. felt like, and that's what America's going through right now. Everything felt like everything was secure. And it felt like that, you know, what people tell you is truthful. Now we have to really, so like you said, as communicators, we have to, how do you reestablish a base of people believing in you. So it's going to, number one, it's your character, right? So the good news is, uh, you know, the individual reporter, the individual podcast, the individual, anybody commenting, it starts to come down to, do people believe the words that you say? Uh, for me, I've been blessed because I've been, in, I've been on a microphone a long time. My brand pretty much Mark Clark is not the best at calling you back. He doesn't return your calls. He's kind of all over the place, but you can believe what he says. He's a family guy. He, he, he matches what he says. So if he says it, it's probably going to be true. I think right. what you're going to start to see is the rise of people like that, people that you can believe and you can trust, you know, um, it, within those genres, you know, those, you know, just like you say, now it just depends on what genre you're in. If you are, if you believe that the earth is flat, then the, the earth is flat guy, 
is the guy you take your news and you believe your beliefs from. If you believe that this election was rigged and, you know, Trump should have won. So I think that's what we're starting to do. And you start to see that happening. Sadly, I say sadly, but with the networks too, right? The networks, if you, if you want right wing, you go here. If you want left wing here, if you want in the middle, you go here. I think that's the change that happened. It wasn't there when we were coming up early on. Uh, Remember, we remember when news stations didn't want to have a Twitter feed because they said Twitter's tweets weren't vetted. Remember that? It was a whole big thing. Now, what they missed out on was, <laughs> I mean, they lost viewers, you know, not lost viewers, but it was kind of like there were viewers who were looking for certain things that they weren't getting and aren't getting from traditional sources. And I think, yeah, I think also the traditional sources, as you can see, with the explosion of podcasts, traditional sources are under attack, too. It's kind of like they're going to have to do something to give it the program. I'll throw it to my panel here. So, Mark, John Schofield here. You, you mentioned a bunch of stuff that I want to that I want to pile onto. So, you mentioned the prevalence of podcasts, and appreciate the plaudits uh, to ours. Believe me, the pleasure you know is all on on this end when you get to do something that you truly enjoy. But we've talked on this pod before about echo chambers and about the prevalence of people getting their news only from certain sources and thus their worldview is skewed. What advice would you give um, to really anybody, you know, but particularly people in the communications world for how to maneuver your own echo chamber to make sure that it's representative of all of the views out there, like a certain amount of podcasts, a Twitter feed. I, for example, haven't been on Facebook in years. And I don't feel that I miss out on a lot there, although I augment it with a Twitter feed. And then in that Twitter feed, I'm doing a daily balance of people that I follow and unfollow and mute and do this and that. So what advice would you have in terms of how we can get news so that we're not echo chambering ourselves? Yeah, well, I think I, I don't I think it's important that you you don't. Like you said, you're not on Facebook. I don't know if you cannot be on Facebook and still be on top of what's going on. Not from a standpoint of, you know, following the trends, just seeing what people are talking about. You know, it's um, it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm 54 and I'm 54 and I majored in radio television and I've been in the field my whole life. Right. So because of that, I have a kind of a you guys probably have it too. You guys aren't as old as me, but you, we kind of like have a feel for, you know, you see something outrageous or you see something on Facebook, or you see something on wherever and you, you don't instantly go, Oh, I believe this. You know, you go, Hmm, you know, <laughs> you just basically go, Hmm. And then you start vetting it out. You know, you start looking to people you trust. So, you know, like one of the tricks I do. So, so I would say, uh, John, yeah, keep the variety going. Do not not get on Facebook. Be on Facebook, be on Twitter, be on Instagram, be on whatever is going on, even, even, um, even um, you know, uh, TikTok and whatever, whatever the thing is, Clubhouse, uh, the more informed and aware you are, the better. Because what happens is, you know, it's almost like back in the day, like Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh was a big influence as a broadcaster for me. I... There's, there was an aspect of him that really just pissed me off, but I, I couldn't deny he was a great broadcaster, you know, Howard Stern, da, 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 da. And so what I tried, what I, one of my 
tricks, uh, John, is I follow the influencers. So if it's something to do with like music, like Questlove, or, you know, like the, you, you start looking at the thought leaders in it and then follow them to see what they're talking about. So then you can get a take, you can get their take, you know, from sports, music, there's so much stuff that's out there, technology, you know what I mean? You, you find that person, you know, so Gary V obviously would be the one for, you know, for that box over there. And then now be honest, my conservative side, um, I don't have as many, I have the old school ones. I mean, the Tucker Carlson and the whatever, you know, and the Hannity's, I don't really delve deep into that, but it's almost like I kind of know what they're doing anyway. Um, but it'll be interesting, like with even with Donald Trump, like to see what he's going to do. If he's, is he going to build a network? Is he going to go somewhere else? Is he going to, you know, do what the traditional uh, right wing side does? So, you know, but yeah, variety, stay up on that information. Uh, don't let yourself, because I think we have a tendency to not do that. And we do get in an echo chamber of ourselves even like, cause you'll go, Oh yeah. Clubhouse. Oh my God. I don't have time for this now. You know, now it's what evaluated at a billion dollars now and they haven't, they're still in beta and they haven't even opened up the Android side. It's like to not know what's going on. Cause I remember when it was at 300,000 when it first started, you know, and now it's, a, you know, so yeah, I would, I would definitely the, the fight, the echo chamber effect. Kids help you do that. Kids can, I remember one time when I was working in New York, <laughs> I got in the car. <laughs> this is when Cardi B just exploded, right? And I go, my famous words were, oh my God, Cardi B is trash. And I didn't even use that word. I just used that word because I was in New York. Lord Jesus, <laughs> my kid, all three and my wife, they like just, just destroyed me in the car. I was like, <laughs> She's standing up for women and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, Cardi B's not trash. I don't really like that word. I was just saying blah, blah, blah. And then I was heard a Bodak yellow in the gym. And I was like, wow, okay, she's not trash. No, but it's kind of, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you, you talked about her age. I, I grew up, well, I lived, um, you know, in two different times of my life um, on the East Coast, right outside of New York City. And my dad, you know, ever the, the poor judgment of character uh, was like, Hey, I'll let you listen to Imus in the morning. And I listened to Imus in the morning. You want to talk about guys like saying whatever they want and, and really, you know, throwing caution to the wind in terms of repercussions. That was, that was it. And, and so, you know, my last question is you, you mentioned that, that Trump used Twitter and used the power of messaging to basically win um what what is the future in your estimation what does the future hold like how to how do we prevent that from happening again when trump part de comes up whether it's tom cotton or josh hawley or um you know, really any number of republican uh elected officials or hope to be elected officials how do we get that not that having a republican in office is a bad thing but how do we keep that dynamic that took place from Trump from from pulling the wool over our eyes again? Well, I think I think sadly, <laughs> sadly, that answer, you know, that it's scary. I mean, because I think what we really realize is that it's not Trump. You know, it's not Trump. He used, you know, it, it's America. Like people say, people go, oh, my God, this is not my America. No, it is. And it's still there. And it's really like it's even activated. And so I think we're kind of in for this kind of back and forth because you see, it wasn't like, you know, you see the, 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 the slicks, the, uh, the, the, the slick politicians 
are doing what slick politicians do is what they're starting to distance themselves from whatever. The other politicians were still looking at it like, yo, I could maybe I could, you know, in, in 2024, <laughs> you know, and those guys are still looking at that, 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 uh, that, that base. And they're like, Hey, Hey guys, I, I, I kind of really, you know, I'm still here, you know? And so, and it's true that faction is still here. So it'll be, in, it, you know, just like, just think about how when Trump started doing the Twitter, what would have happened if the media said, we're not covering Twitter? You know, he tweets every day, but we're not going to do it. But you, <laughs> it's so competitive. One channel would be like, oh, hell no, I'm going to use that. <laughs> You're not covering it, but we're going to cover it. And so I think that's what happened. So, yeah, because what, the thing he showed us was that this issue, this race issue in America is not going away. And it's it's so it's so complex that. You know, I think it will be in play. I look at my kids, sadly, who are, you know, high school and college age, and it's almost like they're in the damn civil rights movement. You know, it's just and 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 they're they're all just shook. They're shook. And and you, we thought that when Obama got elected, we thought it was over. We're like, oh, great. It's a what a great world we're living in. You know, it's yay. You know, <laughs> and they're talking about stuff, I you know. My, my 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 daughter walked in on a conversation that my mother, my wife was talking about work. And in seconds, she understood the dynamic. I was like, what? She just walked in and was grabbing a cup, you know, grabbing something to drink out of the kitchen. And I was thinking to myself, why should a 20-year-old understand what's the the the, the these kind of geopolitics in a workplace? And she hadn't even been in a workplace. <laughs> but yeah. So let, let's pull on that thread a little bit, Mark, if you don't mind. Um, you, you know, I, I'm a, a huge fan um, or was a huge fan. I don't live in the D.C. area anymore of Allison in the morning. Uh, watched Allison on Fox for years. She started our morning for a decade um, and, uh, you know, would listen occasionally when I was in the car to the two of you in, in the afternoon um, as I tried to learn more about the um, African-American audience that I was um, trying to communicate to as a, as a communicator, both in the Navy and now in, in industry. What do, um, what do communicators need to know about black and brown audiences that they either don't know now or have ignored or should really start to pay attention to in 2021? Man, that's a great question, uh, Chris. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, what I want to say. So I'm from Springfield, Illinois, you know, and Springfield has a population of about 12% African-American. And so I guess it's so interesting, you know, I never thought of it, but I guess America, that's kind of like America, right? <laughs> and because I've had, I've always had great success with, you know, most, most crowds. But then I was like, well, because I've been exposed and it was exposed, I was raised in a level where, you know, I went over white people's homes and they went over my home. You know, the, the, you know, I was in, I was, I could be myself and not have to change, but I'm comfortable with that, you know? So yeah, black people and brown people, I think what communicators just always have to be aware of is, you know, and, and I think this kind of showed us still the lack of diversity we still are dealing with, you know, you know, so it'll be like, uh, you know, somebody we hold up, Jennifer Lopez or Oprah or Michael Jordan, you know what I mean? And it'll and be like, yeah, but it's like that person is not the norm, you know, and so the feelings of 
the feelings of always being the outsider, especially when it comes to corporate America or even even coverage. Like when you work, so as a communicator, now it looks like we're kind of working for ourselves. But when you see certain things at newspapers or even, uh, you know, companies where uh, from the top down, there's a there's a headline that is probably insensitive, a headline that it misses the mark. Um, you know, it, it's almost like, um, you know, just being conscious and even looking around and seeing, you know what I mean? We work for some, look at a place and there's no diversity at the top. It's almost a setup for something to happen that's not, uh, you know, that's not, uh, nobody's thinking about it. That's what it is. Nobody's thinking about it. So when you're a white male in that situation, I think you have to be open to understanding that if you're in a situation where that's the case, then more than likely you're, you know, you're, there's some some underlying or there's some things going on that uh, could be problematic. Like, for instance, the thing I was telling you about earlier, a scenario where a coworker, a white coworker, um, you know, has a tendency, you know, he's a New Yorker, you know, he's got, he's got, you know, he's got his a strong point of view. And so it, he's always challenged. He was, um, you know, my wife was noticing he kind of challenges the women. But then something went down today and he didn't challenge this woman who's kind of a she's kind of a person that you would think that they'd have a that kind of thing. But then you look around and you go, well, what was the difference? She was white and the other women were black. (laughs) So now, does that mean that he's even conscious of that? We don't know. You know what I mean? And, And it doesn't even mean he's a racist. It's just an observation. And so, Chris, I'm sorry, long, I guess the long answer, I think, when you are the white male in a situation is just being open to the dynamics that are going on, just as we are with uh, with women. Like I always tell the example with guys and women, if a woman says to you, we're all sitting around the, the room having a conversation and then the one woman says, I'm offended by that. All we can do is say, hey, I'm sorry. We can't say, no, you're not offended. <laughs> you know what I mean? We can't. And I think that's normally the kind of the scenario we're kind of in in America and a lot of places. There's there's not diversity in the room. So the, the decision makers don't have a perspective or even sometimes and they don't know. Sometimes, they, you know, it's, it's always been that way. Why would I be thinking about it if I never had to think about it before? And I think that's maybe where we are now. Kind of the um, the backlash of a Trump. And all that we saw is I think that's happening now. People are starting to look around and go, okay, well, maybe we need to have this conversation or not, you know? Would you give different advice to um, black leaders, black entrepreneurs, black business uh, men and women? What should they be thinking about uh, as as they seek to communicate in a maybe a different time than you and I, uh, you, you're just a few years older than us, but I mean, as you came up and as we came up, things are different now. At least they feel different. Um, are the are the communication challenges for uh, Black professionals different now? Um, and are there lessons that they should be following that maybe um, are new in today's communication environment? I think I think the thing that I think the thing that the average white person doesn't understand about a successful black person is that we have had to figure it out from day one. So I always take this example. If a black person turns white tomorrow, 
they know exactly what to do with with hair products, what what you know, how to take care of the skin, how to whatever. Because we, you know, it's it's a part of the dominant culture, the advertising, the messaging, and everything else. So when you see uh, an executive, a black executive somewhere, this guy or this woman has had to jump through the hurdles so much that he's pretty, you know, it's almost like uh, he, he, you're you're pretty you're pretty much aware because the way it works is the criticism is so it comes so heavy that you rarely find an exec a black executive who's not really super qualified because it's just the vetting process is just different. You know what I mean? So when you see somebody rise to a certain level, then you look at them. Now the funny part is, sadly, like. Um, uh, my man who just resigned under under Trump with Trump. Now, did did we feel that way about the Surgeon General? I have I don't know him at all. But did I feel that way about him? No. Did I feel that about Ben? Uh, you know, uh, the legendary doctor, uh, Ben Carson. No, because it was political. You know what I mean? But otherwise, <laughs> otherwise that's the case. But at the same time, um. Mm-hmm. Chris, still, yeah, as a as a manager, you still have to include all those things because no matter what color you are, you still have to be aware of, of being, like you said, and, and I feel what you're saying as far as in this almost like um, volatile environment, would you move differently as a manager, as a white manager, is, a different, is there a different way to move? I think at the end of the day, those things that we always talk about, fairness and being balanced, and judging people on their character, not who they are. All those things are things that I think are in play, um, you know, in across the board. So I don't, th- not necessarily, but, you know. I think there is an element of volatility. I- I've talked to, uh, on the pod before, and I certainly have talked to Lane with Bashan and John about this. Um, my, you mentioned your kids. M- my daughter has forced me to look at this and consider what's going on differently, right? I mean, I would say largely... I tried to follow the golden rule, treat people the way I wanted to be treated, but but largely didn't pay attention and really didn't care about the struggles of, of other people. It's kind of embarrassing to say as a 44-year-old uh, adult, something's different now. So like I, I as a both as an individual, as a business owner, and as a communicator, I don't want to miss this moment, right? I don't want to miss this moment for myself, for my daughter, for my colleagues, and for like potential uh, members, you know, fellow members of society. So that, that's why I asked the question. We, we decided that, hey, look, it's African-American History Month. You know, let's talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, then about Dr. Martin Luther King and uh, Carver and, you know, you know name the, the people that they teach us in the, the very, uh, you know, whitewashed uh, education that we get. We wanted to talk to real people that are, that have made, uh, that are, that are successful and and you know kind of pick your brain and learn from you on behalf of the audience so that we can all kind of think about this maybe a little bit differently. Well, I'll say this, Chris, and I, I love I would love what you said, and I think this is this is where America drops the ball. This is where America drops the ball because it's not an individual thing, and this is the problem. <laughs> they America tries to have brothers like Chris figure it out, right? It's a system. 
You know what I'm saying? It's a system. Individuals, we we fight each other. We get into arguments. We don't see eye to eye. We get frustrated with each other. But the reality is this system set this thing up, you know, and it's, it starts with not acknowledging the sweat equity that the enslaved Africans, you know, because it's like opening up a Pandora's box, right? And when we start having this conversation like this, everybody, even black people be like, oh, Lord, you know, not, but it's it's almost like America, until you deal with this thing, it's never going to stop. And as I can't think of the brother who was on, he, he he had a great statement during the, you know, during the height of the insurrection the other, other day. And he was saying, America, this happens, it does, it happened, you know, after Obama, Black Wall Street, every time there's a perception that black people are moving forward, America, it's like this knee jerk reaction that happens, not with people like you, Chris, but people, other people. And why? Because they feel like they're losing something. And because we never really told the truth on America. And so I think that is a long answer, I think. And it's tough because, um, when individuals try, it has to be frustrating. You know what I'm saying? Like you just said, I'm a 44-year-old white guy. I'm trying to figure this out. And then you start talking to somebody and you you just and you mentioned this, like you say, this the, the two people that they teach us in school. And so you mentioned that in a group of black people, and they go like, Oh, really, Chris? Martin Luther King Jr. And then you're like, Well, God, now I'm trying to figure this thing out. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? So then you'd be like, Well, I'm done. <laughs> so your daughter's like, what do you mean you're done, dad? You know, because you're like, I tried. I tried. I said, Dr. Luther King, the Mar I said, uh, a man who, you know, 29 inventions of the peanut, George Washington Carver. I tried and then I got shut down. And that's what happened. So we're in this cycle and nobody is there to really say, OK, look, Chris, calm down. OK, calm down. This is good. This is a good thing. So. And I mean, Mark, we have we have titles for all of our podcasts, and I think you just gave us our title. Really, Chris Martin Luther King? That's our title. <laughs> but you know, we, I, I laugh, but I, I laugh to keep from crying, though, because it, it's it's uh, dude, it's tough. It's uh, how do we get out of it? Like I said, my kids twenty years old. They, I I cracked on my daughters. I said, what do we? I said we just raised like they're like activists. They're like civil rights fighters and they're like women, 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 you know, women's rights fighter. And you just like I look at them and I'm like, the good news is they have the passion, maybe the passion to, to, to make the change. But the, the bad news is. Man, it's 2020 and we're going to be uh, Elon Musk is going to have a damn uh, colony <laughs> on Mars next Christmas. And we're still talking about race <laughs> you know we're still like you know what i mean we're gonna have we're gonna be flying in cars and we are still talking about race it's like wow but that you know but i think again i think that was by design i hate to say it but i think it was by design because when we start talking about money you know the the thing the thing that the, the and, and i'm sorry i'm not getting a big political bent but at the end of the day here's the thing that makes you realize how powerful you know like if the if we all came together, peace. How that almost is 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 almost denied. You know this movie that's coming out about the uh, the Black Panthers. Um, it's it's out actually today. I'm going to check it out by Fred Hampton, right? And he's got Fred Hampton and Mark Clark. And I, you know I learned that I didn't learn that in school. I learned that his, Mark Clark was along killed along with him. But I saw if you go on YouTube, these guys were 21, 20 years old. 
the Black Panthers, the image is always the Black Panthers with the guns, right? But the real image was, uh, you know, uh, programs to feed the, you know, the, the breakfast programs for the inner city kids. And the big thing was bringing the poor people together. You know, there's a video on YouTube showing Fred Hampton at 21 talking to poor whites and Hispanics and blacks and talking about coming together as a block. That's what the system didn't want, because it's just like like we talked about, you know, with the with the, the, the Republican, you know, all those southern states where these people have terrible, the worst education and the worst medical care. And they're talking about, yay, Trump, if they ever woke up. <laughs> that's when the real, you know, that's when the real change could happen. But instead, race is used and race, sex, whatever is used to keep the fires going so nobody can ever really unite. So maybe our kids can do that, you know. And that's another thing, Chris. I think this movie, if white people watch this movie, this out, um, it's good because I think a lot of times white people are like, well, that's not for me. You know, that's movie is not for me, but it really is because when you see, and the, and, the, and the Chicago police admitted it, they were murdered, they were assassinated in their apartments as they slept. Um, you're like, what? what? What possibly, what was, what were you guys, what was America afraid of? Well, that's what they're afraid of. <laughs> you know, my I'm going to check it out. Thank you very much. I like I said. I mean, this was the the benefit of uh, of having you join us is to kind of force us to uh, one make fun of ourselves because there's a lot to make fun of, and uh, and two, but more importantly, to to get us to think a little bit differently uh, than than we uh, than we typically think. So thank you very much. And and you know the the thing that um again that spring, being raised in Springfield, I look back and I'm like. I saw, you know, I saw what America can be, you know, like when you genuinely have, when you can be yourself and you can genuinely um, navigate, you know, it's, that's what it's supposed to be. But then when I, you know, working in different markets, I saw the division firsthand because every general manager I had, every white general manager thought I was a radical <laughs> and it wasn't. And why he thought they thought I was a radical because I really didn't have a, I never looked at like, you're my boss, therefore you're my boss. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, you, you know, I work for you, you know, and I'm, I'm providing a service and you hired me. So it was never, but I just know while that dynamic, it was like, why do they think I'm such a radical? Well, because, you know, we, these roles and stuff, they're not, they had, they, they weren't used to that. And, and again, and that's not, I mean, Race is a factor there, but also it's how America, the, the worker and the boss relationship, you know, it's kind of the same way. It's almost like, you know, just because you're my boss doesn't mean you're like my overseer, you know, but but the average person. And I think also that's what with Trump, a, a large part of the people's fascination was. I remember, remember when he let people get on his plane when he was running for president. I think people were like this. I think a lot of people who didn't have money said, oh, this is how rich people act. This is what a rich person is. This is what rich. And it's it's not, <laughs> you know, he was actually not that great. He's not that great of a businessman, but he's amazing. I tell you what, he's amazing, though. He's an amazing uh, marketer. He's an amazing. I mean, he, he got into the he was the president of the United States and he changed the game. You can't take that away from him. Good or bad. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Um, the movie that you referenced, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, 
starting Daniel Kaluuya. Hope I'm getting that name right. And uh, and Lakeith Stanfield. Um, yeah, just released. So uh, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, I feel like we could have a a, a much longer discussion uh, about the, the the topics that you bring up, and then also um, just being uh, a girl dad and, and the mm. significance of what you know our kids are having to deal with, not just the political environment and the conversations that have spawned from that, but also dealing with all of this in the midst of a pandemic. And I know that's something that the four of us as parents and children all around the same age, uh, you know, I, I feel, I, I'll just, I'll say this as we begin to close here. Um, I feel like I've done something just by making dinner, but then when I actually look at them and listen to what they're dealing with, you know, <laughs> rice aroni and, and and fries just don't really measure up to their top concerns right now. I mean, they're just dealing with so much more out there in the environment. My my wife just just said this, and 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 I'll wrap up because I'm I'm like a minister. I'll go in too long, but uh, my wife just said this because she was reading a sad. You know, obviously when you do news, you get all these bad stories every day, and she was just saying like with a, a woman like. We never understand. Like, imagine she she gave the analogy. Like, walk you're walking around, you know, with a Mercedes Benz or with or, or with a million dollars on you, you know, in this in this kind of cold naked world, you know. And she was just saying, men don't really understand. And then what's interesting, guys, when you have daughters, though, there's a part of you. Sometimes I think when our comfortable lives because you know i think we're most of us are middle class or upper middle class or we've given them what we can and they have a certain level and in our neighborhoods things are different than they are in other neighborhoods but when you just think about that you know our beautiful daughters in this world and how many guys you know and or whatever elements are coming after them for what they who they are just just for who they are and what they are that is deep. And I haven't, again, as a man, I don't think we ever have to think of that. When we have daughters, I think we start to, especially when they're out late or when they're in, you know, when they're away from home. But yeah, I, I think that, um, she, my wife said that today and I was just sitting there. I couldn't say I disagree because you're absolutely right. And then I, then I instantly thought of my daughters, you know, like, uh, you know, in the snow the other day or, you know, visiting friends. You're like, wow. <laughs> that on top of everything else that comes with it back to the system. It's a lot. I mean, there's, it's, 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 I guess life, life is, uh, is, is complex. Sometimes uh, I don't, I don't think I realize even how complex it is, you know, but that, yeah, the daddy daughter thing and the daddy kid thing that's, and, and then, then let's not forget about boys. In my experience, I have three, bo- three girls. When I look at boy dads, I'm almost like our men, little boys, more, uh, more, fragile than than women in a lot of ways you know you know are you an athlete are you cool are you do you know how to you know deal with women you know are you you know are you you know your peers you know are you overly influenced by oh (laughs) i don't know i don't know i I think having girls i almost feel more comfortable with girls and boys it's a lot you know am i you know am i am i man enough am i you know it's a lot definitely uh, Mark, listen, we really appreciate you. Uh, before I let you go, though, I feel like you start a business venture every half hour. Um, <laughs> so why don't you just before I, I can't let you leave without talking about it, because I see you on uh, I see you getting up very early in the morning and doing your thing. 
Tell us a little bit about your latest venture. Yeah, the latest is reinventingmarkclark.com. All right. All <laughs> I'll right. keep it brief. Just go to reinventingmarkclark.com. You know, just kind of like just trying to be a positive uh, voice, uh, you know, healthy, wealthy, and wise. So reinventingmarkclark.com. <laughs> Outstanding. Outstanding. Mark Clark, ladies and gentlemen, a media mogul, um, definitely a presence uh, in our life um, and, and, and as, a, as a mentor and, and father figure uh, and a professional communicator uh, nationwide. So we appreciate you coming on Three Season of Pod today. Uh, you can find him on Reinventing Mark Clark. That's reinventingmarkclark.com. Check it out and uh, uh, see what Mr. Mark Clark is talking about. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today on Three Season of Pod. Folks, we're going to take a break. When we come back, it'll be time to look out on the horizon. Stay with us. This is Three Season of Pod. Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. And we are back. Uh, gentlemen, I don't know about you. That was an outstanding interview. Uh, I, I laughed. I cried. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I took it all in. Uh, I will say this uh, before we move to the next segment. Um, what were some of the takeaways uh, that, that you had um, from that interview, from just listening to Mark and what he had to say? Chris? Well, I was impressed um, by on on many levels. I mean, one, I mean, Mark's resume speaks for itself. Uh, all of the things that he has done and and the length of time in which he has done them. I mean, he from a you know he is a performer um, in his you know his ability to uh, produce and carry a show. He is a comms advisor, um, a comms executive, uh, and, and a a trainer and coach. So, I mean, he's kind of run the gamut of, of all uh, communication functions. Um, but at the end of the day, what's what I've always liked about Mark, and this is the first time I really got to meet him via Zoom, he's just a great storyteller, right? I mean, he is a top-notch, um, best-in-the-business communicator. His ability to connect with an audience, to share communication points to hold your interest um, even in just our brief conversation to say nothing of the radio show that he did with his wife or, you know, some of the solo things that he's done. Um, that That's what grabbed me. You know, that's point one. It's just his ability to grab the audience and communicate to them. Point two, I mean, I, for me, I want to learn more about black and brown audiences. I mean, um, I, I think it's important. And so I really appreciated the perspective that he provided. Um, I'm not embarrassed to do that learning uh, on the on a podcast. I'm not embarrassed to ask those questions on behalf of me and on behalf of a, of a larger audience. So, I mean, not only is he a communication, you know, titan, uh, a great storyteller, but he offers a unique perspective. So that, that's what I took away from our time with Mark. I think one thing, uh, Chris, I will just say to you as both a colleague and a friend, and I, I hope I've, I think I've said this before, and I'll just say it once again is, hey, look, man, I just appreciate your honesty. Like that, you know what I mean? Like just the, the if there's anything that we're going to take away, if we're going to move forward, uh, as, as Mark was talking about, moving off of, of kind of where we are or where we were, you know, for the for our benefit, for the benefit of our children, is to continue being honest about these uh, these discussions, uh, the, these topics. Um, so that's what I, I appreciate about you and 
uh, engaging uh, with Mark in that manner. So I appreciate it. Um, John, how about you? Takeaways? I was really struck by how frank and blunt he can be despite the nuanced uh, communicator that's resident in him. And he's so polished and he's so good, um, but he can also be very frank and blunt with his points, particularly regarding race and particularly regarding parenting. And, you know, I think that gives us a viewpoint into how you must communicate going forward. Um, you know, the, the viewpoints into his, into his kids and the things that his kids are faced with and what means of communication they have to use to engage with them and exact change in those kids. That's really what we as communicators are going to have to use as a, as a guide, as a run line to, you know, to make us better at our jobs, to make sure that we're identifying with those black or brown audiences, as Chris says, or the younger audiences or audiences that are using communication medium that we're not necessarily in our late forties familiar with. So being blunt, being frank, getting right to the point and delivering that good storytelling, um, I, I thought was just a, a fantastic lesson. Yeah, um, I, I've had the opportunity, like I, I had mentioned on the, uh, during the interview, I've known Mark now for a little over a decade um, and just, man, what a, what a great mentor to have, a great person to listen to, uh, both professionally uh, and as a, uh, a father. Uh, father figure uh, guy. He's got three amazing daughters that he's raising uh, with his wife, Allison, and uh, they're just phenomenal. So uh, great to have him as a friend of the show. And um, I, I, gosh, I, I listen, I'll, I'll say this. He's talking about, you know, the, the advancements of technology and, and sort of where we are as a nation, as a world, and, and some real issues, the, you know, addressing real problems across our communities and the advancement of just humanity and we're stuck talking about something that's really trivial. Um, not true. Well, I shouldn't say trivial. It's just something that, gosh, we, we, how long are we going to keep letting this uh, hold us back? Uh, the, the, the discussion of, of race and the disparity of race. That's not to say that it's not an important discussion, but damn, if we don't need to capitalize and start making a difference, uh, at some point for the, for the sake of, uh, our kids and, and our grandkids, and I'll, I'll end that there. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. We're back, and it is time to look out on the horizon. Uh, John, we got a big week ahead. Uh, what's uh, what's out there for you? Thanks, Bashia. Yeah, on the horizon for me is a pretty big milestone that's traditionally been one of the guideposts in everyone's year, and that is Super Bowl Sunday, uh, usually at the very end of January or the very beginning of February, um, and a rite of passage out of usually dry Januaries for a lot of able-bodied souls in the new year and um and and just a time for togetherness right you know super bowls you know were were these events that that took place with a gathering of friends or over at a neighbor's house and you're buying squares or you're 
you know, it got a fire pit outside. And, and this is truly, you know, the Super Bowl last year had already taken place by the time the pandemic hit. And so we're now hitting some of these milestone events that have never taken place without uh, the pandemic. Um, you know, the, the Super Bowl is one of the last ones that was normal last year. And, and now this year, how will it be normal? Um, you know, number one, there's a fantastic cold opening uh, on Saturday Night Live where John Krasinski plays Tom Brady and he's talking to Kate McKinnon. And I'll just sum it up like this. Number one, you know, here's Tom Brady. He's like in his 40s. He's back in the Super Bowl. It's like his 20th Super Bowl. And Kate McKinnon's like, so everyone's got to be rooting for you, right? And he's like, no, no one's rooting for me. And I And I second that. Nope. Not rooting for you, Tom Brady. I would almost rather uh, root for myself to come down with some horrible virus, not named COVID. But um, I'm going to be very interested to see how that game develops from a sportsman standpoint and this Tom Brady factor, which I do have to begrudgingly say is amazing. Number two, from a communication standpoint, really going to be interested in the commercials uh, as Budweiser has joined Coke, Pepsi, and other well-known brands uh, like Audi and avocados from Mexico, who traditionally do amazingly funny uh, commercials for the Super Bowl. They're all sitting the Super Bowl out. And in fact, in the case of Budweiser, they're taking the money that they would have normally allocated for that. And they're directing it at COVID vaccine awareness and advocacy efforts which is phenomenal. So does that mean that the companies advertising during the Super Bowl just don't care about vaccination? Um, it was an interesting ploy. It was an interesting video that they delivered as part of that decision. Um, they basically made a commercial about them not doing commercials doing, during the Super Bowl. So I, I'm going to be looking at that. I think that's a very interesting element to this. And then what will those commercials be? I think you're going to see, like we talked about last year, you've got to mix it between very serious commercials that have messaging based on everything going on in the world right now, which which is you know sometimes very daunting and and anxiety causing, um, and and then also doing commercials that just make us out loud belly laugh. How, how will companies navigate that? How will they navigate the messaging? How will they navigate? the fact that they're doing commercials instead of applying this money to vaccine awareness and, and efforts like that. So I thought that was a, uh, I thought that was a neat move by Budweiser. Let's see if it pays off. And, and I'm, uh, I'm mainly just looking forward to uh, the chiefs winning, which I really don't care about either. I just don't want Tom Brady to win. That's it for me. Got it. Thanks. Chris, over to you. So I will be rooting for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm gonna, as a as a new Floridian, I feel obligated to uh, to root for Tampa Bay. So I'll get my pick out That's of horrible. the way. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, go Bucks. What I'm looking at on the horizon is the impeachment. We are through week two of uh, Joe Biden's presidency, almost through week two of Joe Biden's presidency. And the, as we talked about last week, the Biden team is doing a, uh, a really good job of laying the foundation of what we hope will be their communication strategy. And I'm looking at what I want to I want to keep an eye on what this impeachment and what the surrounding noise from the impeachment will do to that foundation and will do to the president's ability to have a successful 100 days. 
And so, uh, you, you know, there are those that think the pres- uh, President Trump should be impeached. There are those that think he shouldn't be impeached. Uh, in addition to the normal challenges of the first 100 days for any administration, this administration now has the challenge of tiptoeing through the impeachment uh, and, and making it work for them, in addition to uh, showing national leadership through yet another ugly what will likely be an ugly event for uh, for many Americans. So that's what I'm going to keep my eye on. Chris, thank you so much for that. Uh, definitely something for, for all of us to, to keep our eyes and ears um, open to. Uh, just two things really quick here uh, before we wrap up today's show. Um, the vaccine, uh, I continue uh, to be concerned. Uh, listen, not only for my, my, myself and my children here, uh, my parents uh, both reside up in New York, uh, so I am. Uh, they are, are 75 plus, and uh, I am continuing to to sort of monitor and, and try to get my arms around um, what the what the vaccine rollout uh, is for for folks in Dutchess County, New York. And I understand that you know it's just depending on the state that you're in, uh, you know you you can either people have either had one, at least one or both vaccines delivered already and other people uh, in that echelon of, of north of 65 years old uh, have not. And some places just obviously moving slower than others. Uh, so I'm going to continue to watch uh, quite fervently uh, how that, uh, you know, the, how the vaccine is being distributed. And then just the, the, the number of people that are having reservations uh, and what's driving uh, those reservations for getting the vaccine. Um, you know, there's uh, a lot of uh, of information out there for people to to gather, and some people, I guess, at this point in the in the, um, in the pandemic, some people have just sort of thrown up their hands or just flat out said, "Look, I, this is not something that I I feel positive uh, about injecting into into my body." So, you know, there's a lot of information apparatus out there that are are trying to quell uh, misinformation or, or try to give people better understanding. Uh, and so I, I include myself into that, uh, into that bracket uh, of just trying to, you know, open up myself to get more information, as much information as possible, uh, not not just for me, but um, members of my family uh, who who meet that uh, the threshold of being 65 and older. So that's something that I want to pay attention to. And I'll close out with this, uh, you know, Mark. Uh, in, in the interview with Mark, um, we talked a lot about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and that's, you know. It's a it's a conversation that's become more and more prevalent uh, these days. Uh, all, you know, almost almost daily, uh, you, you find yourself uh, in a conversation talking about it. Uh, and I want to see not just this week, not just next week, not just Black History Month, uh, but moving forward. If we're going to get to a place where we're serious about um, the um, the discussion of racial politics, the discussion of racial identity uh, in this country, uh, just how serious are we uh, in having these discussions and, and, and keeping them open? Uh, you know, because as Mark said, you know, it doesn't matter white, black or brown. You start bringing that stuff up and it's like, oh, you throw your hands up like not this again. Uh, well, in, in, in order for us to uh, to get to a point where we, you know, it's not smacking us right in the face, we're, we're going to have to be serious about the discussion. Uh, and I'll and I'll leave that right there. So 
that's our show for today. We appreciate you joining us for the conversation. As always, today today was they're all fun. Uh, they're they're all they're all positive. I enjoy them. I, I really enjoyed having Mark on there uh, with us today. Uh, look, if you're looking for more information as your business or organization navigates the communication environment, feel free to reach out to us at provisionadvisors.net, where you can also sign up to receive our weekly update delivered straight to your inbox every Sunday morning. Uh, and folks, in the meantime, be safe. If you're on the East Coast, uh, bundle up out there uh, and put some salt down. Uh, for those of you in places of warmer climates, uh, I, I, I could say something crazy here, but just enjoy that weather <laughs> that you have. Don't forget the sunscreen. There you go. <laughs> and uh, folks, with that, we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.